right, so we're back here uh, to discuss watching 1995 King of the Ring. We're back here again with Billy. What's going on, man? Nuts himself twice um, with this. Well, well, he wasn't even wrestling, so we got to see him twice. And and I think you misspoke. You said King of the Ring '95. Wasn't this the Savio Vega spectacular? <laughs> um, it was. It was something. It was definitely something. Um. The Sabios Vega Spectacular with um, as narrated by an ungodly amount of Doc Hendricks. He was doing maybe the worst Bobby Heenan impression I've ever seen. Man, did he try hard. Oh, I can't believe I can't believe they didn't throw tomatoes at him. They well they couldn't hear him, obviously, but we could, unfortunately. Whoo! My God, Michael P.S. Hayes and World Class N.W.A. Phenomenal. Doc Hendricks, awful. It was, oh my God. So, um, not only is he trying too hard to do a Bobby Heenan impression, he's just trying too hard. Like he, he's pressing. It, it's not his role. It wasn't. It wasn't his role to be the color commentator. It. Jerry Lawler was the guy there. He was becoming the guy at the time, but fortunately for us, we had to watch him wrestle. And uh, so, God forbid, you know, he had to. We had to watch him vomit after the match, so he couldn't announce. So that 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 was why Doc Hendricks was on color commentator. They apparently didn't have a backup plan for that. I mean, they could have had the the sewer rats from the last pay-per-view that we watched commentate and it would have been better. Doc Hendrick isn't exactly the Nick Foles of backup color commentators. It. Oh my God. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with uh, whoever listens here. Um, we recorded our pre-show over a week ago and I haven't edited it. Um, so when we're done recording this, I'm going to edit that, post that, and then post this a day or so later. But um, one of the reasons this took so long is when we kind of finished recording that, I had planned on watching this. And I fell asleep the first my first time trying to watch this. And then it was really I, – I, it was so bad, I, I didn't want to get back to it. Yeah, I I had to do it in two two parts too. I couldn't subject myself to two and a half hours straight. Thank God it ended a little early. Usually they went about two fifty, and uh, they went I think two thirty five with this one. It was it was ten minutes well spent. I don't think I got to watch ten more minutes of Savio Vega um, and or Mabel. The Mabel, the Mabel promo post win was. Wasn't exactly Austin three sixteen. Well, here's the thing, right? So, what do we get during that? We start to see again. You heard the ECW chants. Um, That was undeniable. I don't know if you caught Mister Cowboy Hat and and Hawaiian shirt, 
um, he seemed to be the ringleader back there of the ECW chance. And there was also some oh, there, there was the host of them. There was there was the but the weird guy with the mustache and the sunglasses. There was hat guy with the Hawaiian shirt. Then it was a guy called Howard Stern who kind of looked like Charles Manson. There was also a guy dressed like um, Brother Love that seemed to be in on it too. I love you. So, um, what's also undeniable in that influence is you start to see the trash getting thrown at King Mabel. It wasn't the good trash. It wasn't the Hogan NWO trash. No, no, it no, was, no, no, no. You are trash. This was yeah. This was garbage. Um, way back when I was a college student. Um, I had a serious professor try to talk about the cultural significance of what dumping um, Fago soda over the of the insane clown posse dumping Fago soda over their fans meant. And her words were like, "They accept that they're ghetto and they're dumping ghetto soda over everyone." And I feel like this was the equivalent. Was this isn't we're mad at what happened? This is like you are no better than this piece of. I don't know. Well, this would be pre-crab fries, so I can't say crab fry wrapper. But you are no better than this cheesesteak wrapper that I'm throwing at you. This huge cheesesteak wrapper that I'm throwing at you. I, I made a, a list in my research of the talent on the roster at the time that wasn't used this whole pay-per-view. And I'll build up to uh, what I think would have been better. I mean, look, Scott Hall was injured, so that was his excuse. Hakushi who was very talented, who not the a, greatest gimmick. No, but he did, doesn't he do a he did a run in at the end of yeah, the Yeah, he did a run in. And but I, when they, he when he, he came, wasn't used in a tournament. No, and he, when he comes out, he's very short. I had completely forgotten about that gimmick and when he came out, my feeling was and it's crazy that this was in your notes, was why the hell didn't I get to see this guy? I remember him being like a character that was like not only was he exotic, right he comes out covered in tattoos. He was different. But right, and he also has this again. What we talk about believability, and there was a lot of lost believability in this entire tournament. He's won. King Kong Bundy was on the roster. Bob Backlund, Doink, our good old slap nuts, Double J. That's J E Double F J A R. Ha ha ha. E Double T. Jeff Jarrett, the one two three kid. Lex Luger, four months before he would appear on the first Nitro. The British Bulldog and Owen Hart, all not used in a tournament. And HBK was out. We'll get to that later in a double double uh, draw. Um, so also, so one of the main, I don't, I don't want to say main because there's so much to, to uh, so we came away from the last pay-per-view and I feel like we were just a little, the wind was taken out of our sails. You know, like uh, it didn't it didn't match our nostalgic feel we had for that t- time. And this came off as almost making me angry with how bad it was. Uh, to put this pay per view on in a major market like this is embarrassing. So, um, one whole or one major problem I have in a in a whole host of them is you get this Shawn Michaels comma time limit expiration ending which eliminates both guys instead of having like a sudden death thing for whatever reason they choose to eliminate both guys but then Kama comes out and does a run in in the Undertaker match 
lands one kick to Undertaker, and he's done. Now, we just watched him go a ex- expiration with Shawn Michaels and never once shows that one hit ending. And now I'm supposed to believe he ends The Undertaker with one kick to the back? It was a booking nightmare. It was just a hodgepodge. It was like scrapple stew of just awful decisions in this pay-per-view. I... You have this... Again, The Undertaker. The Undertaker. And The Undertaker versus Mabel is fine, you know? And I don't even hate Mabel winning this thing. I really don't. Um, I don't mind trying to put the, the some heat behind a guy who is, again, believable to be a large, unbeatable man. I don't mind it. I don't like how we got there at all. There is nothing to like about how we got there. It was pretty hard getting there. It was it wasn't fun. I'll tell you that. I've got to believe the Cinderella story of Savio Vega. Um, I've got to see better talent get eliminated with more ridiculous things. You know, man, did they try to push that narrative throughout the show? Another Philadelphia pay per view where they're really trying to push a, a hard Philadelphia angle and look. People don't like us. They don't want to get behind that kind of crap in no. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, it, like, do, it doesn't it doesn't play to a majority of the audience. And the people that it would play to aren't hearing it. Bingo. One hundred percent agree. Um. And then so. And I don't even mind how awful Mo is post, you know, with the declaration, because I think he's filling a role. It just went on way too long. I had once heard that Mo got his job because he did a rap for Vince McMahon at a bar. I'm not 100% on that, so I don't want to push a false narrative, but I believe it. I think he rapped in front of Vince McMahon, and McMahon was drunk and offered him a job, and that's how he's here. I mean, does that seem off the wall to you? No. That Vince would do this in the 90s? I also feel like at this time, so when we did our last run of wrestling pay-per-views, we we each had picked matches from this era, and we had discussed how it was odd because this was considered a really bad time for the business. And you and I had a little bit of nostalgia that said, like, well, maybe it's not as bad as we remember. Or maybe there are hints at better stuff. And then I think that this confirms just how poor of decisions happen with really a plethora of talent. Financially, it was the worst year in the company's history. Well, look, this is a pay-per-view event. This isn't a house show. This isn't a random or raw. This isn't a, you know, like, this is a pay-per-view event, and this is what you put on for people. No wonder people didn't order other pay-per-views. It's not a good look at all. Not at all. 
I I would have watched Edward Norton fight Tyler Durden in the actual where he's beating himself up for three hours over 15 minutes of this. It, it, looking back, it, 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 it led me to ECW in, in so many ways. So, and then, so, so you have the roadie who's already calling himself the road dog, by the way. Something I didn't realize. I, th- I didn't think the road dog gimmick really came along until the New Age Outlaws. I think Jeff Jarrett just dropped it in that promo for the first time. And I think he, he, he just he just dropped it, and then it became the road dog. So then it also becomes he's dancing, he's shimmying. You get uh, X Pac slash One Two Three Kid in a run in to try and save Razor. Again, there are hints of these things that we want. But I'm forced to listen to Doc Hendricks call a Mabel versus Savio Vega co-main event. And I've had to see how many Savio Vega matches do you have to watch in a night? And this is, again, it's not even about him. I don't care who it is. You can only stomach so much of what is really a mid-carder coming out. And he was unknown. The crowd didn't know him. How are they going to get behind him when they don't know him? Like, there was no push for him. He came, he was a masked wrestler in Puerto Rico. It wasn't like he was coming over from WCW. You know, the crowd has no knowledge of him. This was way, way before, like, internet and everything else. Like, you couldn't watch matches in Puerto Rico unless you had, unless you were a tape trader. It just, it was so questionable questionable at best and like you said that's why tournaments oftentimes aren't good on pay-per-views no matter who it is you see three or four of them you become like oh come on man it's the same music it's the same entrance it's just the same the same gimmick like I'm always and I, I don't know how much I said it last in our last run but like the best part of you know, early 90s, late 80s wrestling, and then kind of the Attitude Era, which is where you and I were probably at the height of our fandom, was it always left you wanting more. And a tournament never leaves you wanting more. You've seen enough. Yeah, I'm, Vince isn't a fan of tournaments. And after watching this, neither am I. It's, it, 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 it was... T- again... Your guy who's most likely to to pull you through a tournament, Shawn Michaels, right? Who's athletic enough to tell a different story each time he goes out. He's athletic enough to not hit the same exact moves each time he goes out. He's likable enough or hateable enough, depending on what part of his career, for you to cheer or boo for him each time. Is eliminated in a garbage, a garbage way. I'm assuming they didn't want the King gimmick, per se, attached to him because it didn't fit his character. He doesn't even have to win it, though. They set the bracket, right? They set, they pick who they want to win. Yeah, it's not random. You know, so, again, if you want to put Mabel in, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with it. I think Mabel is a perfectly capable, quiet heel. Um... 
I'm fine with that. It is a lot more enjoyable as a fan if I get someone who can carry Mabel a little bit. And I don't mean physically. Right. Can carry him to a passable match. And Shawn Michaels is the perfect foil for that. Foil, I should say. So, I don't know if you looked it up, but what's the fallout of Mabel winning the King of the Ring? He, he doesn't get... It's not like he gets a title push, right? Like... No, he get, he goes on to fight Diesel at SummerSlam that year. Main so event that. He main events SummerSlam with Diesel, and then after that, he goes away to become Viscera later? Uh, sometime later, yeah. Okay. I mean, he, he, he he's not a main event guy after that match with Diesel. He kind of flounders around and does the King gimmick to absolutely no heat. Well, and then they kind of move move in a different direction in 96 because they, they're getting a competition from Nitro, which premieres in September of this year, of 95. And that's three, four months after this pay-per-view. So they're feeling the heat a little bit. So they had to move along quick from uh, King Mabel. Well, probably rightfully so. Um, it, I don't even blame the talent. I don't even blame the talent. I, I I wish I could sit here and talk about how garbage these guys were. And some of the matches were snoozers. Don't get me wrong. But it's the booker's job to put these guys in a, in a match to highlight each person. I don't know what happened. Did someone like lose a bet and have to book a card by like throwing darts? Uh, the only thing I got for you is Scott Hall's injury made this just uh, ten times worse than it would have been. Because Vega took Hall's spot. So Lord only knows what they were planning on doing with Scott Hall. Well, I still feel like even even so, even if it, even if it's Razor, even if it's Razor who's going to who's then going to eventually job to to Mabel. Um, or he's going to win it all. The way that this card stacks up, like, I don't even feel like... I can't... I'd love to sit here and bash Savio Vega all day. This isn't Savio Vega's fault. He didn't do anything wrong. He wrestled decent. He's Savio Vega. He he is a... He's a worker. He, he's not the guy. And I've he's, a, he's a good he's a good hand. You can get a good match out of him. It's passable. He's not awful, but he's not the guy. And I've got to see him for what four matches? Yeah, we get a bonus match as well. We get we get the not at that time, but the Sunday Night Heat match with IRS is the first match we see. <laughs> the Sunday Night Heat match, it is. So it's just so there's a booking problem. The announced this announced team is possibly the worst I have ever heard in all the years I ever watched wrestling. How about McMahon right before the pay per view starts? Philadelphia, where the Declaration of Independence was signed, but tonight monarchy will reign. Oh my God. Um, and it's 1995. Um, so I understand it is a different era. 
But how many stolen hubcap jokes can Doc Hendrick shoehorn into one pay-per-view? As I've said time and time again, looking back, it don't age well, buddy. It, even, I don't even think it aged well then. Well, Jesse Ventura used to make a lot of Tito Santana jokes, and I guess Doc Hendricks heard these jokes and decided to replay them almost 10 years later. So, obviously, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Um, but my feeling always is, and I'll relate it to like what I say about um, cooking in restaurants and whatnot. Not that that's my forte, but um, a little bit. So, if you're going to do something that other people have already done, you have to do it different or you have to do it better. And Doc Hendricks does neither. It's almost like he's he's reading from a Bobby Heenan script and delivering the lines brutally. But he's trying too hard, like you said earlier. He's trying too hard. And Bobby Heenan, you get the tongue-in-cheek. You get it. With Doc... It almost feels like he's doing an imitation but trying to do it straight. And it just doesn't work. And There's there's zero chemistry there as well. To listen to it for as long as you have to. Like I almost feel like someone in the production booth should have been like, let's send out send out one of the talent to, to do this. Because this ain't working. I can't believe Vince didn't do that, to be honest with you. Knowing what I know now, I... I can't imagine he thought it was good. I would have listened to Paul Bearer all night. Oh, yes! It's I would have listened to it all night rather than listen to Doc Hendricks. Um, what a pay-per-view. So, um, our next pay-per-view is that 99 or do we have one in between I want to say it's 99 I got the list I got the list in my notes still um in your house 96 okay 96 in your house I think we're going to get a little bit better of a show yeah I was there so that makes it uh, better well that'll automatically if we can get a young teenage Billy DeRozier obviously obviously it makes everything better so 96, so that's two years prior to folding jeans at the mall. It is. And it was the uh, the first PPV at the house that Lindros and Iverson built. The Core State Center. <laughs> the, the, core, the Core State Center. It's not the FU Center yet. Um, it is not. So it's not that I want to put this to bed. Um, so as I was finishing up watching, I started texting you. And... and one of the ways that I gauge how involved I was was how much I'm looking at my looking or looking for my phone while I'm watching. And I can tell you as disappointed I was about the the last pay-per-view, I wasn't touching my phone that much. I can tell you during this pay-per-view, I don't think the phone left my hand. And which what the really sad thing is, is the main event wasn't bad. That was passable. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fan of 
tag matches. There was no title matches on this card either. For a pay-per-view. Disgrace. Right. That's a disgrace. Oddly enough. How do you not have an Intercontinental title on a pay-per-view? Befuddling. Like, I feel like that every pay-per-view should have an Intercontinental match on it. Like, I just feel like that's the prescription. Pay-per-view, Intercontinental title fight. Agreed. There should be something other than this this awful tournament. A tag belt, a women's belt, right? Um, they did like a short vignette about the um, Hall of Fame induction, so you know Medusa's in town. Or right. Alundra Blaze. Um, the women's belt, they could have done a whole host of things to at least make it a pay-per-view. Make it mean something. Um, but the main event isn't horrible. Um, you get Diesel and Bam Bam, and the flames are out of control on on Bam Bam in this pay per view. Awful, awful uh, costume, for lack of a better word. Um. Oh yeah, and, and what's crazy to me is. So I I liked Bam Bam in this match. I think so. The idea is is they have to bring Bam Bam in because Diesel's entering the match with an elbow injury, so that it can't be a Sid versus Diesel match. You can't fight Sid alone. Cuts, Sid cuts a hell of a promo on the elbow, by the way. The body part of the elbow. I injure your elbow. I take your soul. The elbow is somehow the functioning unit of the human body. Well, if you're elbowless, that's it. Um, lights over. So, but here's the thing: is like Bam Bam. For for as much as I gave grief about the the flaming tights last time, is believable as just a tough guy you grab. He's re- he's also in the midst of rebuilding and rebounding from an LT loss, which was questionable at best. Um, and I always liked Bam Bam, and I, that's just from my own heart because he was an ECW guy. Yeah. I, I I portray him more as an ECW guy than this crap sandwich we were given here. Well, why he works as an ECW guy is because he's believable to just being a tough guy. Paul Heyman was great at accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives. So I I like Bam I like Bam Bam back in the early '90s. I like Bam Bam through his ECW time. I you know, and I think he's believable in this role he has in this match, which is Diesel had to grab somebody, and he grabbed Biker Bam Bam. You know, that's what he looks like. Looks like he went to a local bar and said, bring me the toughest guy. That's what Bam Bam looks like. Right. Bring me a bad bitch, hopefully with tattoos on his head, and we'll fight. He's definitely believable, 100%. Um, so, that match ends with Sid basically bailing on Tatanka. So, do you know what the fallout for the Million Dollar Corporation was after this match? 
they weren't around much longer either. Because I remember Steve Austin would come in at the beginning of 96, and the Million Dollar Corporation was defunct by then, so they stuck him with DiBiase because Steve Austin couldn't talk by himself. He he had to have a mouthpiece. I mean, Steve Austin can't cut a good promo. No, he's booked for his in-ring talent. He's just he's just a hand. He'll never be anything. Um. So, following this pay-per-view, is Diesel the champ at this time? He is. He is, and originally I thought it was Diesel versus Sid, and with the Horanus elbow injury. That, by the way, Diesel drops an elbow on his bad elbow. Well, that was which part makes of the story. Zero sense. Part of the storyline. That offensive move cost him. Let him and why isn't it just Tatanka? Why is it Native American Tatanka? Well, he's got to do his war dance, too. And why didn't he just drop the Indian gimmick and sell out to, to, to DiBiase? He could have wore a suit and made a whole new gimmick, and it would have been aces. But he kept the Native American gimmick for no good reason, and then he just kept calling him Native American Tatanka like it was his real name. Sometimes for guys, they have a certain gimmick, and when it's lived its shelf life, they can't be anything else. And for some guys, it's fine because those gimmicks are timeless. And for some guys, they've got these gimmicks that are bad, that they need to shed, and they just can't seem to move on to something else. Say nothing for Kama, who could have a thousand gimmicks. And still be over, respectively. Is Kama was actually a take on chemo. Remember the old UFC fighter chemo? I do. I, I do. think he was a take on that. Looking back in my research, um, I mean, absolutely could be. Uh, you're looking at around this time is is when the UFC is still doing tournament style fighting, and yeah. um, originated in '93, I believe. UFC, correct? Yeah. Because um, I think I was still going to Pensalk and Martin buying VHS tapes at this time. So uh, it's not surprising to get those kind of gimmicks when that kind of thing is going on. And while the original UFCs in popularity pale in comparison to what the WWF was at the time, um, the reality is is things get influenced, and when you see fighting with no, you know, no holds barred, no actual no holds barred fighting, and then you see what works and what doesn't, and also what kind of personalities end up in those things. It influences the uh, the other things that are that adjacent, which wrestling is fighting adjacent. Correct, correct. And I think UFC at this time isn't the UFC we watch Saturday night. Oh, no. It's more, it's more, it's more of a fight-type feel. Well... It is a much lower production. It is tournament style. Um, it is still style versus style. Um, it, you know, at this time it's being called human cockfighting, and it's outlawed in a lot of places. So uh, athletic commissions weren't passing it. It was, it was almost, it was Fight Club, basically. I mean, it was in the infancy stages. For lack of a better phrase, yeah. It, it is 
not um, what we think of it now. As someone who's watched it since back then, no, it is obviously a lot different. But again, and that being said, all due respect for the guys who went through that. Oh, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Well, without, I'm not. You know. Without those guys, you don't have what you have now, and they they paved they paved the way with blood and sweat and broken bones. Oh yeah, I mean in the first UFC, someone's front teeth land in the in the stands. Um, a sumo wrestler. So, um, but it's not far away that you end up with Ken Shamrock in the WWF either. No, he he's the ref in the special ref in the heart Michaels uh, I believe 97 so he's he comes in around 97 I think Right. So, he's a special ref in the Bret Hart uh, Steve Austin oh, Steve Austin 97 yeah so you have com- it's not crazy to see a wrestler take advantage of that and look for everything that people might say about Godfather or one of any of his other gimmicks, the reality is, is the guy did gimmicks that worked for the time that they were in. So, our, our, and how we entered this was talking about Tatanka. And he could just could not sh- shed that. And maybe you don't have to go to the extreme of Papa Shango, comma, Godfather, but you've got to be able to a- adapt your gimmicks some because now you are. You've, you've said, right, like the whole and the and the you sold out Lex angle was great at the time. Right. Right. It would have it would have worked so much better if he said, I'm Chris Chavez. I sold out for money and came out and wore a suit and dropped the whole Native American thing. He wear a suit or or that's um, he. Well, it lives it. it, it where wrestling works best is when it has an air of reality. Right. This is this is my real name. Drop the whole thing. And I did this for the money. Like that was the whole thing. But you're still doing your war dance around. You're you got the football eye paint on. Um. It, it just what because you switched it to black tights from brown. It just it's not following through on the entire angle. Exactly, it's it's you're just married yourself to a gimmick and can't adapt at that point. It's like and it, it should have been made. There should have been he should have been made. There should have been an effort at least to change it. Well, it's on him. That's on him. They gave him the I would believe the leeway to change some things, and he just. I, I, I'm I'm not sure they did. I I, I wasn't in the room, but. I mean, he was undefeated for two years, so he was over a little bit. I, I just and his, and his heel turn could have meant so much more. I think. Well, he rather than just be a guy, he doesn't have to play second fiddle to Sid. I guess is also the point. Um, could he could stand alone? Yes. And that's so. That's what's, and I think what's coming from both of us, and some of I think my anger or frustration from this card is. I know, you know, I know of Tatanka to be a decent wrestler. From what I can see with my own two eyes. They build this great storyline with Lex Luger. It was great. It was great. Every week it was like, he's calling out Lex and you don't know what's going to happen next. And that is 
necessary in a fiction business. You can't feel predictable. And to have it all fall apart so fast, it's... It just could have meant so much more and just felt completely flat. Does he ever recover from that? No. He doesn't. That's a shame. That's really a shame. He doesn't. I don't know if, if injuries played a factor. I didn't research heavily into post. I did more pre. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't... I don't remember him being on a lot of cards after this. I mean, at WrestleMania, this would lead us into WrestleMania 12, and that's the Iron Man main event between Brett and Sean. He wasn't on that card. So they move on from him. So he's he, he's not long for the world the world of WWE anyway after this so before we go too far off that may or may not be his fault right so 1995 is a dark time for the business as far as money goes but also as far as what's expected of wrestlers even though those guys may be hurt um, which led to a lot of substance abuse issues I'm not I don't know but I don't want to sit here and only say he couldn't get it together that's why he couldn't come back we're missing some big chunks of the story, and I want to be a little fair um, because they did put on a decent main event match. He was fine, and and I and I've mentioned it three times during this, and I think I mentioned it the last time. Tatanka joining the Million Dollar Corporation was a great storyline. It was a great storyline. So I want to make sure I'm not too hard on him because we don't know. We don't. There's there's a lot as you said that we don't know as far as injuries go. And these guys all wrestled with a lot of them. It just, like I said, it just felt flat, and it could have meant so much more. It could, it could have, it could have worked. I think he, 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 he was passable promos, but the storyline could have just worked if he dropped the Native American gimmick. Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's just a, it's. Where my frustration comes from is we don't, since we don't really know, we're left to try and fill the holes in. And what leaves those holes is frustration. And the frustration goes through this entire card because I don't feel like, and I try really hard to make sure these things are going to be clean, but it's going to go out the window. I don't feel like the talent justified the dog shit I had to watch. It was ugly. And this is one of the reasons why Nitro did great at the time and why ECW rose up from the ashes in Philadelphia. This was the this was the dog shit they were putting out on a regular basis. So I think that part of what's wrong with the with what they're putting out here, one is that look, it reeks of being out of touch. It reeks of it, it's so out of touch. It's gimmicky. It's cartoony. Everyone has to have an occupation. It's not believable. It's it's not mid nineties. It's it's passe. And by mid nineties, like I feel like the why the WWF is behind is they don't see. They're not riding the, the cultural changes that are taking place. And they're still playing in the 80s playbook. 
and um, in that 80s playbook the characters have to be bigger than the match and in the 90s playbook while that happens it's not quite the same way like yes the Paul Rock- Heyman made an analogy Paul Heyman made an analogy on ECW uh, DVD he said this was the WWF at the time was like in the mid '90s, was like still with hair bands like Poison and Bon Jovi, and ECW came along, and it was like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. That was the time. This was from a floor bygone era, and McMahon, who lives in his little wrestling bubble, doesn't see the world around him. Well, right. What's coming is what works later. What's what's starting to to come in the social change is the cynicism of the '90s, the middle finger to authority, the middle finger to the squeaky clean good guy that we all know is as hollow. We've seen enough of it by then. It's a more cynical audience. It's an audience that sees through the phoniness, and we want a more right. We want a more complicated picture. Because we know that's reality. It's not more, more authentic and genuine. It's not cheer the flag, boo the hammer and sickle anymore. You know, and I feel like when I watch this, it insists upon who I'm going to cheer for and who I'm going to boo, and it just doesn't work. And then when I've got to listen to Doc Hendricks for two hours try and give me I don't I don't even know what I, I don't even know what um, his version of a heel announcer to try and tell me who's supposed who I'm supposed to cheer it just all of it was just uh, worthy of a do- of a bag of dog shit and not, not much more and I can't believe it was a crime that they charged people to watch this it, it was a damn shame and to try to, to, to just to push the narrative of Savio Vega's Rocky throughout the whole entire card was it was just poured down your throat on a constant basis it was just too much it was too much of one guy it was not the right talent used it wasn't the right booking decisions and like I said this is why WCW came up this is why ECW rose up well to take your your line there I don't think audiences, even before this time, want to be told how they're supposed to feel. And I feel like I feel like I was being preached to. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Well, Vince McMahon stuck to his formula that works. When you're in doubt, you always go to what worked before. I mean, am I correct? That's human nature. Well, also, you're in a business that you've dominated, right? So, again, to bring it to a different sports analogy, it's why certain hitters never change or certain guys, once the athletic ability fades, they they can't move on because when in doubt, they always fall back on what got them here. Hell, what got them here is what made the millions of dollars. So it's not just what you fall back onto. It's just what you know. And who who is anybody to tell you any different? Or like quarterbacks who won't accept coaching Carson Wentz. That could be it too. Uh, 
Yeah. So, but it it it, it falls in line with a lot of sports analogies, and that's why the people who are routinely successful or have long careers, um, they change and they don't fall back on those same habits and they're fine with listening to other people's input. And I, I don't know, man, I don't know what's going on now, but, um, there, it's probably part of the reason why it's as, is it, it is it around as popular now as it was in 95? Is, is that it's tough to gauge because there's so much out there you know what I mean as far as social media goes and and different streaming devices it's so much different it's it's tough to say I mean it's profitable it's it's, it's not where it was in the late 90s but I mean it's they're on Fox I mean that's that's a network they're on Fox every week so I mean, I don't, I don't think they'd still be there. Fox has canceled shows after one show. I mean, they, they don't mind. But it has a built-in audience, right? So why, it will find it. Will find it, yes. So why Fox is not going to cancel it is because it has a natural floor. There are people who are going to tune in, no matter, no matter what. Um, Your core, exactly. So. Uh, all of those things, it would be tough because there, there's, the competition is very different now. And, and what is considered high ratings now is very different than what it was in 1998, 1999. That's fair. That's very fair to say. Um, that being said, in 1998, 1999, uh, probably, you know, so say 96 or 97 through 04, there was a mainstream appeal that does not exist now. It's not as it's not mainstream now. So absolutely right. It's not breaking through on on any level, and um, I guess maybe that's the better measure is like where you get your pop culture references from, or how many fan like casual fans you have versus hardcore fans. The fan the hardcore fans now are probably the same hardcore fans that they've always had, and maybe the the children of those hardcore fans. It could, it could be very well, yeah. But, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I don't watch as much. There was a pay-per-view last night. I didn't watch it. I was at my niece's birthday party. I had no desire to watch it. And it wasn't because football was on, because I was already done with football by the time the Eagles tied, and then my fantasy teams lost. I was lethargic to the football game, as entertaining as it was. I just had no desire to watch the pay-per-view. Well, um, and that says probably all it needs to say I think you're now where I was in maybe 2004 2005 if I'm not if I'm not not getting enjoyment out of something why watch it that's where I am with life too is um, I'm not going to watch something to make myself miserable well I did watch most of the Phillies games this year so I can't really say I don't watch stuff to make me miserable well, you may have – I don't know. You know, um, I don't consider myself a front-running fan, but if if the game looks out of hand, I put it down. You know, I'm too old for that for that crap now. Um, so am I. I'm getting too old for this shit, Reeks. <laughs> so um, 
Long story short, if you haven't watched this, don't waste your time. <laughs> just just listen to our synopsis. It's much more digestible. I believe it's much more entertaining. I'm not going to toot our own horn, but toot toot. But so, it, it, I'm not going to promote this as watchable. So unless you hate, unless you hate yourself, then uh, by all means watch this. What I will say is, if you want to save yourself the two plus hours, if you have a dog, follow them outside, watch them take a shit. It'll be much more entertaining. Or do TikTok videos, something, anything else to do with your time, because I'm not getting this two and a half hours back. It's not like when I get to the pearly gates, they're going to give me this time back. I mean, do you think I could write Vince McMahon a colorfully worded letter and he could pay me for those two hours? It's worth a shot. He is getting up there. He could be senile. He might write a check. You could say we were a gobbledygooker. He might buy it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, is there anything else you have to say about this abomination? I had two pages of notes, unfortunately. Let's look. We're no, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. Pick I did look the Bill, the Bill Murray cameo. <laughs> I wasn't even sure that it was Bill Murray. It was a very dark video. It, it was... Bill Murray was used in this. What was he filming Operation Dumbo Drop at the time? Because he's riding an elephant. I don't know what the hell he was doing at the time. He's Bill Murray. He doesn't have to explain himself to anybody. No, I want a call. <laughs> I, I want an explanation. Mr. Murray, if you're listening, I want to know what this is about. I demand answers. Unfortunately, we'll never get to know that answer. But an answer I want is why we had to watch Jerry Lawler physically vomit on camera. <laughs> um, why was that? Why was that passable at any time? Like, let's watch this man throw up in a sink. McMahon has this sick toilet humor, by the way, as you've seen him beyond the mat. What I because he can throw up, he's going to be puke. He's got to. He's got to. He's got to. Yeah. And we've got to march that out every week. Um. <laughs> But I, will, I just don't understand why we had to watch Jerry Lawler throw up. I will say Jerry Lawler's face exiting the ring and his walk down to get to the locker room was superb. He, I agree. It was and by the way, that wasn't a kiss my foot. He effed him with his foot in the mouth. <laughs> and I'm trying to be as clean as possible. There he was, effed him with his toe. There was some, yeah, it, 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 yes, it was not, it was not the same as the kiss my ass match. Hey, if you're into foot fetish stuff, you can watch this pay-per-view and go to that match if you're into that. Because this, this wasn't kiss my foot, like the kiss my ass club sometime a year later. He force effed them with his foot in his mouth. It was brutal. It was so bad. It was just so bad, the whole thing. Um. So I'm not you... getting two and a half hours back. I'm not getting the three and a half hours I spent watching a tie back yesterday. I'm just wasting time. Well, we have the time at, at this point in our lives, Billy. 
I went an hour on the treadmill today, so I got that. At least I didn't waste that hour. You gotta take. You gotta take the wins where you can get them. You know. I used to spend three and a half hours at the bar. Now I gotta watch ties in football. Bill, I have to go to physical therapy at thirty-eight years. No, thirty-nine years old. I have to go to physical therapy twice a week, possibly for a long time. I if it makes you feel any better, I play the lottery and I read the paper. I'm older. <laughs> um, only if you make a very slow cashier at a liquor store very angry about your lottery purchases. I try to use the computer machines as often as I can, so only I can mess them up. I don't subject other people to this nonsense. Shouting numbers through a mask isn't pretty. It's just going to lead me to spend more money when they mess up. Um, so you gave one point about the physical throw up what are your next top two out of your two pages yeah. it's, it was just the ECW chants were nice to see that was a, that was a shining moment of the show when basically half of the arena of the 10,000 people of 17,000 people are chanting ECW it's which a, was very bond it's a great middle finger to really a bad a bad card, and, and then there's a, like... there's an awkward silence where Vince thinks they're reacting. It, I think it happened in a Mabel Savio Vega spectacular match, and there's an awkward silence. And Doc Hendricks goes to Vince, "It's going to be all right." I don't know if you caught that or not. I did not. I think because yeah. I was trying to tune out Doc Hendricks as much as possible. <laughs> it's just because Vince thinks he, that the crowd's actually buying this flop of crap that's in the ring when they're chanting ECW and then he just there's this awkward silence between two windbags of announcers Well, also, it's going to be alright also because Vince is, at this time is so out of touch he probably doesn't even know what the hell ECW is no absolutely not absolutely not this is when ECW was first coming up so he yeah, probably had no idea. You're right. He just lives in his bubble. You're coming to Philadelphia. It's a Philadelphia promotion. You might want to be abreast on that type of thing. Nope. Let's push Savio Vega. <laughs> Poor Savio Vega. And we didn't touch on the Bob Backlund vignette. That was just piss poor as well. Uh, was I, think, it, I think that needs an awful mention. Was that poor? I felt like it was poor on purpose. Like he was just made to be like very awkward. Then it doesn't need to be on my TV. <laughs> Why put something that people are going to hate and pay for? Well, with no payoff. Right. right. He's running for president. I mean, just stop it. But also, Please like, stop. I've got to see a Backlund uh, vignette and he's not on the card. So there's no. I'm seeing someone I'm not going to see. What's what? What am I watching it for? Why? Why is this filling time for something I paid for? And it was also sad to see Yokozuna as big as he was at the time, because he 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 was another one who died young. Who pretty much just ate himself out of the spot, which was sad to see. Because coming from somebody who struggled with weight for his almost entire life, it's just sad to see somebody grow to be that big 
and can barely move. He was legit over 600 pounds at this he time. Was, he was very big. Um, we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here since you, since you brought it up, and um, here we are. So I, personally, I feel like we don't, as a people, discuss food in the same way we do drugs. And yeah, nobody's robbing someone for a cheeseburger per se. Um, but there is an addictive component and there are plenty of people who basically have heart attacks um, that were long seen and are basically after a long history of abusing food. It's very comforting. Food is very comforting as we both know. Well, um, In good times and bad. Yeah, so yeah. I will... I will peel back some layers. Um, so I was fairly thin most of my life. And uh, at one point in the not that distant future, I had a very stressful point in life between work and home. Um, and what brought me um, comfort during that time was very sugary food. And it was very hard um, to get that under control. Once that habit had been formed, it was very hard to get under control. And uh, I'm not on the same weight loss journey that you were on, but uh, I have lost around 27 pounds um, since COVID had started. Um, just by mostly by getting sugar under control and then also by going to just making my own food and in making my own food, it means that your salt content is less. It means that your other things that make you retain weight or continue to have cravings are cut back. So, um, yeah, we've, it's something we've both struggled with. Me more recently um, than I'd like to admit, but it was it's been multiple years of yo-yoing a bit because what would happen is, is I'd join the gym. I'd get crazy into lifting heavy weights, so the number on the scale didn't move, but my waistline moved. But that's still stress that I put on my joints, um, and still stress that I put on other on my organs. So that wasn't necessarily the most healthy way to deal with my weight to just jack a bunch of muscle on. Because I don't think, even at my most muscular, I was anywhere considered lean. I was just muscular, beefy. Yeah, You're a little beefy. So. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey, and and when you look at someone like Yokozuna or or Mabel or some of these other guys, and um, while they have different body types, um, food addiction is a very real thing, and I know that sounds very hippy dippy to say, but um, it's real. Yeah, it's a real it's a real life situation. Look at that person who's pushing that weight and is uncomfortable every day, and you don't see it the same way you do with someone who can't put other substances down. It's just missing a whole picture. It makes you see things from a different point of view, which I think is always a good thing. Yes. Yeah, so if you stop being so judgmental of other people, and I don't want to come off as preachy, but I've learned to not be so judgmental in people's situations. It helps. It helps. Agreed. 
So, yeah, I mean, and we could probably go down this. So the last pay-per-view was worse. You know, most of that card, I feel like, has moved on to the other, to the underground or the other world in the sky, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah. We could probably go down the list of this card, too. Yeah. Yokozuna's no longer with us. Mabel's no longer with us. Um, who else? Who else was in? Who who else was in this card? Uh, some are some we know. Bam Bam's Bam, Bam Bam's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, who was? And they they were all they they were probably the three heaviest guys. Who was? So who was, um, that was Fuji the valet for? Um... Yes, Fuji as well. But Fuji was old. He was the old then, but nonetheless, yeah. I mean. He, and he also Fuji, was a valet. Fuji seemed to be the same same age as my whole life. He's kind of like Arn Anderson. He was just born forty years old and just stayed that way. Yeah. Arn Anderson's still forty years old in my eyes. Huh. Still looks exactly the same. Some of that can be a gift and the curse, right? When you look like you're forty when you're twenty, if you can hold on to that, it's great. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't and he's like held on. The, he's held on to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks the same as he did in the Horseman. My favorite Horseman, believe it or not. Arn, I, I can see why the Enforcer. Yeah. Booker, Again. Booker T. When Booker T. asked me, he because I had a four Horseman shirt on when I met Booker T. Mm-hmm. And he took the time to actually talk. He's like, "Who's your favorite?" I said, "Arn." He's like, "Man, that's a good one. Mine too." Because everyone said Flair. Everyone says Flair. Yeah, but um. Booker T didn't hold you to a 20 minute conversation he didn't hold me to it but it was very I, I Booker T's a cool dude man he's a real cool dude bigger bigger than I thought oh yeah but he's like 6'5 isn't he yeah but I didn't I felt like a child he's a big dude and he's still like in shape like he could still you can go see, yeah you can see that he keeps himself uh takes care of himself yeah absolutely um yeah or i would i would have to agree with you with with um with arn anderson again you in stables you need that guy like we were talking about with bam bam that guy who's just kind of the quiet guy that you don't mess with the enforcer his spot he was the core yeah, the glue. He was the core. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's what made it all work. So what was your, uh, let's go to our third what you uh, and final point here. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just it, we've touched on a bunch of them. Yeah, but. I mean, during the Yokozuna Savio Vega Master Channing USA at two foreign wrestlers never made any sense to me. You don't think the Philly um, crowd was sophisticated enough to know that Puerto Rico was a territory of the United States and therefore Puerto Rican citizens are American citizens and therefore yet chanting USA, USA meant that they actually were chanting for Savio Vega? You don't think the Philadelphia crowd was that sophisticated? Do we want to go another hour on a promo on the Philadelphia fans? Do we really want that? <laughs> I mean, I personally know they're that sophisticated. Just by the tone of how they yell shoot at Flyers games, 
they're a very knowledgeable fan base about what it is they see in front of them and the context in which the sport or game it's happening as well as the social context in which those things would also be happening. So when they're yelling shoot at Shane Gostaspare, they're really talking about it. The man needs to shoot his shot because otherwise he's not going to be here anymore. Or in the four bygone era of Knights Tavern, when I'd be watching the hockey game there and you would hear some patron yell, why can't they just score? You know, they didn't try that. Very knowledgeable. Put the puck in the net. You know what? We should get that guy behind the bench. The knowledgeable, passionate sports fan. Don't tell him any different. Nobody likes us. We don't care. Until somebody says nobody likes us. And then we get sensitive. Nobody likes us. We don't care. Until somebody doesn't like us. Then we care a whole bunch and we cry about it. For days. And we call in about how mean Colin Cowherd is to us fans. <laughs> We're Mr. Who Hot Take himself. I don't even buy into these national guys going off on another tangent. They're just playing roles at this point. Well, They might as well be cartoon characters. They're not legitimate journalists at this point. You and I have talked about, about that. This is why I have gone the route of listening to sports podcasts. Not to you know, pump pump my own tires here. But when you listen to it's not just national guys, it's local guys too. All I've got to hear are hot takes and contrarian points of view. It's never a breaking story. It's never bringing someone on to critique what's actually happening. If you know the problem with Carson Wentz right now, do you want to tell me Mike Missinelli is going to have a quarterback coach on to talk about what's going on with Carson Wentz's um throwing motion or reading defenses and what's changed this year versus years before. No, he's going to take calls from film from Mount Airy to talk about how Carson Wentz stinks now and they should sign the ghost of Bobby Hoying. Here's, here's a word that people over 65 use. Disgrace. You ever notice they use that one? That's their thing. It seems if you were born mm, circa 1950. You use the word disgrace like it's a comma. Well, I think it used to carry weight. Like being called maybe, a disgrace. Maybe, maybe, maybe to Arthur Fonzarelli. Probably not in 2020. So, um... Jeez, how did we get here? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I asked that question to myself, boy, man, I wouldn't have to play the lottery every day. So the idea is is that I didn't think – I sarcastically went off about how the Philadelphia sports fan is knowledgeable enough to understand that Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States and would thus understand chanting USA at Yokozuna. It was still chanting for Savio Vega um, because they're the most knowledgeable people ever. Just ask one. I'd rather not ask any of them. Thank you. So, we have hit maybe all the... We can talk about this flaming pile of a dumpster fire coated in dog shit, coated in Jerry Lawler's vomit, coated in Bret Hart's sweaty foot, 
that we can talk about in regard to this spectacle. The Savio Vegas Spectacular. Um, so... Yeah, you can't use the sigh. That is patented by another group. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> Trademark infringement at its finest. <laughs> so, uh, I guess when we put this to bed, it hopefully to never be discussed again. Um, we will be back with a pre-show for. Did this did this in your house have a name or was it just in your house ninety six? My mind games. Wait, mind games was here. Yeah. True story, bro. I think I got the ticket stub somewhere. Well, this is one. Hopefully, that looking forward to. I saved my ticket stubs. I had done that for a point. Um, yes. Oh, okay. Um, in your house, ten mind games. So they used to number them. So. We talked about – I don't want to go too far off because we're going to have a whole episode about building up to this – to the watch. But I didn't realize that they also numbered In Your House because In Your House is when they started doing monthly pay-per-views. They were just called In Your House. Right, and they were less expensive and uh, like 45 minutes to an hour shorter than regular pay-per-views. And then it got to be just regular pay-per-views, Well, just renamed. Eventually, though – and it's probably getting close to that time in 96. Eventually there is enough talent and enough juice to have a monthly pay-per-view. There's enough heat on up and down a card. Correct. Correct, Amundo. And I think this was exploring the idea of monthly pay-per-views as a revenue generator for the company. <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna... to... Put a nice bow on this one. Nice, We're nice little close bow. This out because I just pulled up the card. I don't know if you have it up on on your device. No, I'm I'm afraid to leave my phone. I don't have it. I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know if I'll go to another screen and, and it'll jump out of my hand and fly out the window. So I'm not going to risk it. So I'll have you read it. I wish I was fucking making this up. Do you know what the first match? And it might be a dark yes. match. Yes, yes, I do. And I'll tell you why I know. Okay. It's Savio Vega versus JBL. Uh, so there's actually potentially a dark match before that match. That I don't remember. I don't know if I was getting beer or I was in my seat. So according to Wikipedia, it has um, results of a match numbered 1F, which I'm going to assume is a, actually a dark match. It is Savio Vega versus Marty Jannetty with Leaf Cassidy in his corner. And then, that, no. And then match number two is Savio Vega versus Justin Bradshaw with yes. Uncle Zipakai. Yeah. Yes. That match is memorable. That's a Caribbean strap match with Harvey Whippleman as the guest referee. So that match that match is memorable, Jack. And you will see why when you watch it. So this it's a the... match. It's a match I hold fond because I was there. I'll, 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 I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it I at that. But I'm going to, I'm going to close this with 
we get to end this fucking dog shit episode and start the next one talking about Sabia Vega. <laughs> it's amazing. I might go out of Sabia Vega for Halloween because I've had enough of him. So, Here we are. Here we are. Soak it in. Soak it in. Drink it in, man. <laughs> so, um, to put you guys out of your misery, us out of our misery, we'll be back next time to watch, to do the pre-show episode for In Your House Mind Games 1996. Until then. See ya.